The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. And we do that every Tuesday by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. This week, we have a combo episode, and they cracked me up. I should have expected that with their recent creative work for Drugs for Plants and their hilarious headshots. Andrew Furtado and Dave Haller are the co-founders and creative directors of Major, a New York City-based creative agency that helps brands, agencies, and production companies create ad campaigns that aren't boring. New York City agency veterans Andrew and Dave met when they were paired up to work on Wild Turkey at Possible, which is now a Wonderman Thompson company, and a whiskey-fueled friendship was born. When all the Wild Turkey ads had been concepted and made, they both left Possible. Andrew to run marketing at a healthcare startup called Formative Health, and Dave to freelance around the city at places like Virtue, Arnold, Saatchi, and Saatchi at RGA. But before long, they were joining forces once again when they were hired to create the brand, website, packaging, and launch campaign for a Japanese shoshu they named Case. So, a year, several pounds of sushi, and only one camera drone crash into the Japanese countryside later, Major was born. Their experience abroad made it obvious that they could probably make a business making actually interesting advertising campaigns. Now they're working on clients like Vimeo, Asana, Birchbox, Prudential, Smirnoff, Showtime, Dole, American Express, AB InBev, and Amazon. Wow. So Dave and Andrew also taught how to have ideas at Miami Ad School, and they have turned that material that they developed for the class into a book called Handbook for Hacks, making them the perfect guests for this show. Check out all their links in the bio and be sure to check out Handbook for Hacks. Also, you're going to want to check out their hilarious headshots. And you can check all those out at our Instagram, at Breaking and Entering Pod. Now, on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Andrew Fatato and Dave Haller, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How's what it up, going? What up? What's good? Thanks for having us. Yeah, yes. thanks for having us. Another combo episode. Big fan. You guys are awesome, doing great things. I'm pumped for this episode. Uh, your ad agency is major, major, correct? That is. That's it. And you guys do something on the side as well. Well, we, maybe should we t- talk about that now? Tease at it later. We got a lot to talk about. What are you thinking? Yeah. How how do we want to run this? We've got so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Let's uh, let's 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 tease it a little bit. You know, it's we've got mm-hmm. a little bit of a thing that we just launched uh, in October. We're very stoked about it. But let's let's talk about advertising first. Let's talk about yeah. yeah, yeah. Why why does major exist? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can I can give you my best answer. Yeah, I'll <laughs> I love it. Uh, you're making my job a lot easier. You can be your own host. Huh. Yeah, let's talk. Let's take it from the top then, because you two are founders of Major. Is that correct? That's correct. Co-founders, creative directors, every major title you guys hold 
I've had 139 other agencies pretty much on this podcast. So you tell me, what is major? What guy? What makes you guys, uh, your agency, majorly different? Oh, I love Boom. it. I, I love the pun. Yeah, no, I'll give you the quick. I'll give you the quick background. So Dave and I are art and copy partners. Uh, we have been for too long at this point i think maybe too many years it's hard to say but we both what seven six uh, who knows feels like relationship way longer than whatever i've had in my life Uh, yeah Mm. yeah Mm. true yeah yeah more fighting maybe maybe less who's to say more passive aggression definitely either way 100 percent we came up in the uh we both came up in kind of the agency world in new york I, i started my career in boston dave uh, in New York, uh, and after about a decade of doing that, um, we kind of got came to the conclusion that um, maybe the big agency world was not rocket science after all, and mm. uh, we could kind of take what we know about making breakthrough creative, breakthrough campaign work, and do it on a much more nimble scale, you know, um, and start our own shop. It's uh, and that was what three and a half years ago at this point, Dave. That was three, three and a half years ago. Yeah. And so pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, actually like peak pandemic, getting into it. Oh, okay. It was already, I don't know, the years, you know. It was really ramping up as pandemic was setting. It was a great time to start a company. Uh, yeah. But yeah, as Andrew said, we freelanced a bunch in the agency world. We worked together at Possible, which is now Wonderman Thompson. And we okay. saw a lot of like the inefficiencies, just the the politics and the chaos that was really just the same at every place, just a different flavor. Um, and we thought we could provide something better. So yeah, I guess three and a half years ago, we started. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah and we started kind of, uh, we had a Japanese liquor brand come to us. They didn't even have a brand. All they had was the juice. And they were like, okay. we, need a, we need a bottle. We need nice. a brand. We need a campaign. We need a website. We need someone to buy this. And so Dave and I had just come off of working on Wild Turkey for for a year. And uh, as a part of working on Wild Turkey, we had made so much work ourselves that we were kind of like, all right, we know booze. We know how to make stuff. Uh, Let's take this client on ourselves. Let's kind of see what we can do with them. We flew to Japan. Uh, We shot this launch campaign ourselves. I flew a drone. I crashed the drone. Maybe. You okay. 100% crashed a drone. We had a drone that wasn't supposed to leave the continental United States. Um, probably shouldn't be saying this. It left the country. <laughs> it almost crashed in a Japanese mountainside. Uh, but we got the shot. We and got, we got the, the shot. drone back. Was, there you go. You got the drone back? That's that's all that matters, right? One piece. And yeah, it was like the first time we had really touched every point of a brand, like Andrew said, from the design of the bottle to that launch campaign. And then when we came back, we did a bunch of social content for the launch, um, as well as that 60 anthemic spot for it. Um, and we really like, I mean, that was like our first major client, first major project that we really did at all. And it was exciting. It was cool to see it happen. Yeah. Now, can you clarify? I'm sorry. So when this uh, whiskey company came to you, were you still working at your main agency jobs or did you establish your new agency? What, what was going on then? At that point, we were, I had left, we both had left our jobs at Possible okay. at the same time. I'd gone to run marketing at a startup. Dave had went to freelance as a creative director around okay. New York. Um, but this was kind of our first sort of proof of concept. And once we launched that brand, we're like, 
this is a thing. Like we can clearly do this. You know, we were kind of a little bit surprised by it, to be honest. We were just like, oh shit, like a couple people with some knowledge about how to make work can actually yep. provide a valuable service. And and how many layers of overhead and, and logistics do you really need to kind of create something that people want to look at and, and, and interact with? And that kind of gave us a nice little boost out of the gate, that sort of self-confidence going to be like, all right, we're out on our own, but it's working and that's that's okay. And and then it was just kind of a roller coaster from there. I mean, we worked on a major, uh, a variety of clients. You know, we, we did a lot of work with Birchbox uh, when we first started out, which is really fun. Um, we launched a shoe company called Amberjack, which was a super fun campaign that the client was super down to uh, have a lot of fun with that. Um, worked on some prudential work, worked on some work for Vox and Asana, uh, slid into some Smirnoff work. Like it just, nice. it just Great. started to kind of, you know, snowball and, and we were able, uh, somehow to kind of continue to kind of string the work together. Um, and then really just staff up based on the work that we had, bring in contractors, um, and keeping it nimble. And I think what yep. was so key uh, and I think that, you know, there's, listen, there are business realities that that drive this in, in bigger agencies, but what's so key, I think, about the model that we have is, um, you know, true creativity. Like we we really strongly believe that it, it comes from that diversity of thought and the ability that we have to staff those projects based mm-hmm. on the problems we're trying to solve really allows us to to always bring fresh thinking to the client's brief and uh and that's what's yep. been really it's kept it fresh and interesting and and i think also really fun because it's given us the ability um you know and we can talk more about this but like we didn't we don't have traditional advertising backgrounds we didn't go to portfolio school you know we yep. had to kind of fight our way into the industry and so we actually we take a lot of joy in like bringing people from non-traditional backgrounds onto our projects because we know that like are the portfolio school systems and the feeder systems and all that good? Not going to quibble with that for sure, but there's a lot of talent that can't afford to do yep. that or for whatever reason is coming from a different background. And so we love to like bring people in who are just like, they don't may not have the prettiest book, but when you right. see a true creative, you're like, oh, I can teach you yep. how to talk about a TV spot, but you've got real creativity and, and we right. love, we love that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually really interesting, too, because the, the further we've gone in our careers, um, even some of our best creative uh, friends were also from outside the industry. And they everyone kind of works twice as hard to really make a name for yourself. And you can kind of pick up on those people who maybe didn't have that traditional um, advertising portfolio education. Yeah, and it's your agency. So you can have anybody who you want. And yes. it's nimble. Yep. Uh, it could be project by project, like you're saying. Um, that tailored experience for clients, it has to be really, really appealing. Getting those experts in subject matter experts on on each campaign probably is great. Tell us about the rundown now. So um, what's major looking like now? Um, how can people learn more? Uh, are there applications open? Our audience can that maybe they want to intern there. What's the situation? Give us the rundown. Absolutely. I mean, we are always looking for fresh young talent and uh, not not young in the age or, or new to the industry talent, sure. if you will. Yeah. You know, could be any age. Um, and really, we're just looking for people who uh, really love to make things people want to look at. I think that one of the reasons that we were so 
you know, passionate about starting major is we had spent so much of our career only working 10% on things that we really truly believed anyone would want to pay attention to. Yeah. And I think the reality is true creative work works better than shit no one wants to look at. And I think that if we can bring some of that back in the industry, it'll be better for consumers better for customers, better for us as professionals in this industry, and honestly, better for, you know, true creative people who are looking for a way to have a career uh, and still hang on to their ability to create something that is actually entertaining. And so we're always looking for people who have that kind of creative engine and are just looking for a way to apply it uh, uh, in a little bit more of a career-oriented structure. And I, mean, I think as, as much as we can give people the freedom to continue to be creative and, and we can help them sell the shit out of that, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, I think that's key. I think one thing we've noticed over the years too is just how copy and paste everything's starting to feel. Everything starts to look the same, sound the same. And it's really not as fun as it used to be in the past. And I feel like um, we want to bring that back. But to Andrew's point, it's really bringing back the creativity in advertising and making sure we get people with an out-of-the-box point of view or a different perspective. Um, and often that comes from, you know, unexpected locations, really. Yeah. Our guiding principle from day one has been the boring will not be forgiven. And we just, we believe that. It can feel corny, but I believe that to my bones. We, yeah, we spent a long time trying to figure out what our positioning was. How do we distill this mentality, this ethos of this, agency and that is our first gut check when we start a project when we look at a brief and it's that final gut check before anything goes out the door if that doesn't reach that caliber that bar we don't want to make it um because it's just going to add to the clutter that's out there there's a lot of a lot of digital trash but there's just a lot of trash out there so we really want to be intentional with who we work with and the type of work we're able to produce right absolutely and i guess like with the work that you that you're looking for I noticed that you have some really cool work for drugs for plants, right? I want to get into this now. And I know we teased at it earlier, but I'm seeing here that weeping plants uh, spot that you guys, that campaign is is phenomenal. I guess, how do you find a client like that? And why, like, what made you want to work with that client specifically is my question. So it's funny you should ask. Uh, that client is, in fact, our own product. What? We created so Drugs for Plants is a major created brand. And Got it. to our earlier point, I think, you know, we, uh, we've worked with a lot of great clients. We've pitched a lot of great ideas. They love our thinking, love our work. Uh, but often, you know, some of those really out there uh, campaigns are tough to produce. It's a hard thing to get made. And, um, you know, we wanted to have an unfiltered ability to create something that we could completely control from the creative point of view, uh, but also something that we're really passionate about as well. So. We first took the step by looking at, you know, what are things that we're interested in? What is something that uh, we could see scaling across the country, if you will? And we broke down a bunch of categories that we thought were fun and had the potentially to, potential to be brand differentiated. I think that's the big thing. It can be something so simple, but brand's cool and really, you know, makes it stand out. That's where uh, it can really gain some traction. So. What do we narrow it down to, Andrew? Like candles, plant food, uh, what's the other? Yeah, I mean, we're playing with a lot of different consumer products, packaged goods, things like that. But it's just like plant babies, 
you know, you know, as we all were in the pandemic becoming new plant mm -hmm. mommies and daddies, like it just kind of was a new source of passion. Um, but also it just kind of felt like it, it's a, it's a place where the leader in the category, uh, which I guess I need to practice this PR thing. Like, I guess we should say, I don't know. Miracle bro. Miracle bro. What is, what is live? I don't even know what you're talking about. I have never heard that. Maybe they'll hire us someday. Probably not. But no, the leader in the category, it, you know, makes a product that is bad for the environment. And so, you know, it's, it's a real, like synthetic fertilizer is not good for the environment. So we kind of thought, all right, there's this opportunity to create something that's genuinely good in the category, get more attention on it through what we know how to do. Um, and also like create work that has a strong point of view, like undiluted by the layers of approvals that listen, we understand why they exist. Like when yep. you have enough bonuses on the line, like there's gotta be layers of approval. But for mm -hmm. us, it's just kind of like, we want, it's important to us that this is successful both for an environmental reason and because we want to kind of grow a company making products that are conscientious, but also with a brand that is like entertaining and like fun and like has a point of view. I mean, I, is it, you know, from our perspective, it's like, this is our liquid death. This is, you know, yep. Oatly's another example of a brand yep. started by advertising people. Like, I think that that's, I think more advertising people should be doing this. I think that like creative genius. They have this, we have the skill set. You know, we can think creatively within the confines of capitalism. And I think that that uh, we should be doing more with those skills. And, and this is our swing. This is our, this is our swing at doing exactly that. Yeah. We're so conditioned as creatives to focus on that agency model and just really get in the weeds and, you know, that's your life. But you kind of have those blinders up over the years where you think you can't really do anything outside of that. So. If we can even inspire any creative to start their own thing, that would be the dream because I love it. Better products, better creativity, you know, better everything gets out into the world when uh, you're doing it for yourself and you're so passionate about what you can do. What you can Absolutely. Do. I totally agree. I'm, I'm always thinking of, and I love that you guys did this. It's so smart. Uh, I, the question was like, how'd you pick this client? Obviously, it was you guys. Like, you picked the best client possible <laughs> yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> and I uh I think about I fantasize about that a lot. Like what brand would I want to create and like side projects or something like that. And the podcast obviously is something that I've been doing. But just props to you guys on doing that and really making great work and a great product that benefits the world. I didn't know that that uh evil company that you guys mentioned earlier, that market maybe a potential market lead for a little bit, uh ruins the environment. So I yeah. hope you guys take that over with drugs for plants and check out the ads uh where can they find those and and see what i'm talking about it was featured on ad age shots ads of the world where yeah. where where should they go to look for that well uh for both both uh information about major and to see the campaign you can check out major.agency uh that's our website major agency on instagram also has a bunch of stuff uh, the other thing we did for drugs for plants that were super, we had a lot of fun with is we made a, a tree weep in McCarran Park in Brooklyn uh, and hit, had hidden cameras. And uh, I remember seeing that. Yeah. We had like a little watering can. If people watered the tree, the weeping would stop. It's yeah. uh, it's unhinged, the kind it, of thing that came together in a few days. And 
we yeah. approved it, so it got made. Yeah. <laughs> wow. In true New York fashion, there was like half the people didn't react, half of people, yeah. you know, double taked, and maybe a few actually went up and watered it, which was really funny to see that it actually worked. But, you know, screaming in the park in New York City, um, it was great to get How'd you get reactions. the screams? We had a little Bluetooth speaker that uh, we just beamed the, the scream and cries from the campaign uh, videos. And, and we had two cameras. Andrew was kind of controlling the screams. Yep. It's just there was that one long uh, range, uh, long, long lens. lens. Long lens, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. And I had another one, and I was in the bushes. Uh, not creepy at all. And, um, yeah, we were far enough away where people didn't see us until they walked by, and they were like, were, were you part of that tree thing? And then, you know. It, it was fun. It was really, it was cool to see people interact. Um, but it kind of speaks to that larger idea for that campaign, which is that, you know, plants are really screaming out and people don't listen or hear them. They're screaming for their fix. And that was kind of the idea of our um, hero videos was that uh, they're screaming out in agony and you just need to pay attention to them. Love yeah. It. Yeah. Very, I mean, it's built, very it's clear. Built, it's a true insight, right? I think that's like, you know, as you think about like, I mean, I'm not going to call our work really good work, but you think about like the work that stands the test of time comes from like a nice, true core human truth. And I just feel like the fact that if only my plants could talk to me, yep. I would be able to take care of them better. And we're like, all right, let's do something with that insight. I think that's a universal truth. Yeah, definitely. And it's so clear. It's so crystal. I mean, any aspiring strategist, you can show that campaign. They should be able to work backwards, reverse engineer that insight. Um, it's actually a really good exercise for aspiring, strat aspiring strategists and looking at good campaigns and working backwards yeah. and yeah. writing the strategy out and seeing if it matches up. Um, I don't know how you guys got here. Let's talk about that. Who, uh, just some great ideas coming from you guys. Make your own agency. You said you had years of a big agency experience or, or, or across the gamut here. So you had to go to portfolio school, right? No. That seems like everybody's doing that now. You know, it would have been a lot easier if we did, but we did not. Uh, yeah. I can speak for myself. I went to University of Florida and then Temple University, two years at each school, um, okay. was an exploratory major at uh, University of Florida, did more advertising at Temple. And I, throughout college, I always made t-shirts. And so that's how I started really working with the design programs and yes. um from there, I whipped together a portfolio, took some advertising classes and, you know, just applied everywhere, got rejected from everywhere, was told to go to Miami. I had school. Yep. And then I got a, a, a gig in Connecticut at an agency called Colangelo. And that was my, my way in and the rest kind of trickled out from there. But um, yeah. Yeah. What was your role at Colangelo? So junior art director, which oh, was nice. like a big deal to get that title. Yeah, um, Absolutely. And I'm not really sure how I pulled that off, but uh, because it was in the Connecticut agency, it took a while to break into the New York market. Yeah. Uh, and then I was able to go to Saatchi and Saatchi. And after I got a gig there, then I was um, able to move pretty easily throughout the career. After you graduated, was there a lull? In getting no. The um, luckily, I graduated in May. I, I think yep. I took the summer off and then got the gig in September. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's um, like So I lost out. Yeah. Well, did you, so you had, had a pretty good portfolio that you worked on with classes or showed some sort of, you know, chops. We craft. had one, yeah, we had one portfolio school or class, but it was really 
the way I looked at it, I didn't understand the difference between the designer and art director. And I was applying for art director roles. Yep. But I was more of a design background. Um, and so what I did, I just kept looking at who was getting the jobs uh, yeah. that I was applying to and just looking at their portfolios. And that was my first way to be like, all right, I'm missing what's in these books. And yeah. then doing the work and really starting to research, you know, how this industry actually works. But where were you getting looking, briefs from? What was like, that? Where were you getting briefs from? Like when you were making your own portfolio? Oh, I'm making stuff up, literally yeah. making things up. Yeah. No idea what I was doing, making things up. It looked great. Maybe they weren't strategically sound. Um, but uh, Colangelo saw something in me and yeah. the rest is history. Ben Thank Applebaum you. in particular. <laughs> nice. So love that. Um, Andrew, what was your situation, your story here? Yeah, no, I mean, similar in a lot of ways. I went to Boston University. I studied journalism. I uh, thought I was going to be a lawyer. And heard this then... before for copywriters. This is like a thing. <laughs> is this the thing? <laughs> this is a thing. Law school plans abandoned. Yeah, I've heard List, this. Yeah. Listless. <laughs> yeah. No. The bar. Didn't I? Uh, you know, I was just like I. I. I thought at the time I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do something better with my life than be a lawyer. I'm going to be a journalist. And boy, did that not pan out. But that's okay because wow happy now uh no <laughs> yeah so uh but yeah i graduated from bu um and uh just coming out of school uh knowing absolutely nothing about marketing or advertising or anything with a friend uh started yeah. an agency quote unquote um this is insane that you guys were able to pull that off it's, Wait, it's a lot it's a lot of hubris <laughs> yeah the story is shocking it's, a lot of misplaced okay. hubris all right, so what was going on? Yeah, so we, we, we were kind of, we were working together, um, my buddy Pat and I were working together on a journalism project that, and sort of pay for the reporting that we were trying to do. We started an agency. My last name's Fatato. His last name is McQueen. So we called it Mikado, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but what we, our first client, we worked with the United Steelworkers Union, consult, doing content and then consulting them on how to use social media to create communities and how to design websites for people who weren't comfortable with the internet. And then we also worked with like small businesses around Boston, helping them with like their websites and their email campaigns and their social content, sure. just, just like making it up. But it was one of those things like at that time, and this was 2009, you know, in a lot of ways, our youth looked like credibility to yes, absolutely clients. And um, we did that for like, I want to say we did that for like two years. Um, and then after an amount of time, we we're like, this is, we are, we actually don't know a lot of what we're talking about. I think yeah. we need to like pull this back a little bit. So we both kind of took that experience and sort of parlayed it in to agency things. For me, um, I uh, learned the creative suite using lynda.com, sure. crash course in creative suite. I read Hey Whipple. And yep. then, um, shout Luke, shout Luke, yeah. And then with a few friends who were already in the game, they kind of helped me. I was making a book full of spec work, and they would kind of review it and give me feedback. And I'd, I'd go back to the comps and the ideas and try to make yep. these three sixty campaigns. Yep. Um, and then you know, and I and I still think about this because it it really matters. But I uh, you know I had the opportunity, or, or I don't even know how I got it, but I think I submitted my book to Havas. 
they needed a writer for like one week. Um, and it was to write a, uh, a Batman narrative that would play out on Twitter in real time and like be approved by Christopher Nolan. And, uh, that's cool. It, and this, this creative director, Steve Reedmeyer, who I still am thankful for to this day, one of the guys who created flow at Arnold. Um, but he saw my book and it was just like, this kid doesn't know anything about advertising, but I think he might be able to do this. And he just gave me a shot. Like he just gave me a shot. And like, that's really it. That's literally all it took because from that, I got a job at Digitas and I got hired back at Havas. And then that got me down to New York. Like it was really just kind of that one moment. And, 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 you know, it's a culmination of a lot of moments, right? Like of doing course. the work to learn the software, you know, reading the books, talking with friends. So many people helped me along the way. Don't get me wrong, but it, it, it all kind of culminated in that one yeah. kind of break, if you will. So even creating your own shop with a friend for two years, you still needed a portfolio that was worthy enough to to get looked at and, and give you an opportunity, right? So the key, yeah. The key thing there was I, I, I didn't, I wanted to be a creative. I think at that point I was like, I've studied writing. I think, I guess I'm a copywriter and I was just never going to get, I was never going to get an ad job without a portfolio of like yeah. more advertising work. Um, yeah. yeah. That seems to be what people are looking for today. Is that still the case? I mean, you're, you just, you two mentioned that you're looking for talent like all over all different places too. So What's your, do you have the same stance? If you can go back, would you go to a portfolio school? Would you take more campaign classes knowing oh, what you know now? Yeah, I think portfolio school would have been beneficial. Um, I think we, I would have learned a lot quicker what I learned now or what I know now. Mm -hmm. um, and really had, better, really had a better understanding and bigger network uh, mm -hmm. earlier in my career. Uh, but, you know, really happy with how it turned out no yeah as, as and, it did but and i always say like to students when i speak to them i'm like you can do this without portfolio school like you guys did yeah. um you can work hard and the sooner you know that you're going up against portfolio now nowadays like vcu brand center they're crushing it miami ad school's crushing it you guys teach there right mm -hmm. um the the bar is high and yeah. And it's starting to come down though, back a little bit like this, like the schools are shutting down, like Creative Circus shut down. Um, it definitely helps to go to one of these things if you have the time and you have the money. The money, it, yeah. Yeah, it is, it, they're, they're more expensive now. There's other options out there, six month programs. I'm not sure. I, I'm not, I used to be in that industry, but now I'm not. Um, it works if you, put, if you put in the work, but it's not going to hand you a portfolio. You still have to step up and do stuff. That's always been my take, though. Like, you could do this early on if you know what you want to do, but you know that you're going up, up against really tough board, like books, and you're competing against them. You have to get industry experience. Like, you have to talk to people in the industry, like you two. Yeah. Like, can we? Can you look at this piece? Can you help me out? What should I do? What's this? Take? And then you have to go back to work and work on it. Get good briefs, and we're coming up with a solution for that with breaking and entering. Um, I don't. We don't have to talk about it now, but we're trying to create our own award show. Oh, cool. just just to Fun. get briefs out to students just yeah. whether they submit or not we have greg han judging the first one so if you guys want to get involved with that let me know yeah but, that's a that. great idea i love that because yeah the, the getting a good brief when you're first starting out is, briefs are hard it's fine yeah. 
So yeah. hard. It's still hard to get a good brief. It's still hard to get a good brief. You guys had to make your own company. Yeah. Right? Write your own. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But no, like, so we're looking for, like, guest judges. So if you guys want to write a brief or talk with us, definitely. But Andrew, thank you guys. But Andrew, like, what are you thinking? Like, would you, knowing what you know now, would you go to a portfolio school? What would you do differently? It's a great question. You know, I, I think I go, I really actually go back and forth on this because I feel like, it is a shortcut to learn what other people have already learned, right? You should yep. 100% find ways. Like that is kind of the principle, right? And I think that there are books you can read. There are people mm-hmm. you can talk to. There are portfolio schools you can pay for. They yep. are all in the service of fast forwarding your understanding mm-hmm. uh, and not needing to kind of sort out what other people have already sorted out. And I think there's a lot of value to to the different ways that you can do that. Yeah. Um, and but I, I would definitely caution anyone to like believe that there's one right way to get there because there really is not. Yep. Um, and I think the other thing is like portfolio school uh, will teach you this, uh, but also other ways of working will teach you this. Like some of it is really about the soft, not the soft skills, but the kind of the principles of working creatively. And I think that a lot of those are like very simple to understand. I'll list them up right back. Make Do more it. than you think you need, right? Like you got to have quantity. Yep. You got to hold yourself to a high standard, like work. Uh, always try to be beating yourself, um, you know, you know, be, you know, uh, voraciously curious about the lives of other people, like learn, assume that you don't understand what other people are feeling and get so obsessed with understanding people who aren't yourself. Like there are these principles that, you know, we have, well, we can talk about in a minute, but, yep. um, you know, it's, it's, those are things that, it's about the practice. Like I can say that to you, but it can yep. take you five years to really make those first hundred ideas sing every time. And it's, it's, yep. uh, it doesn't matter how much you pay. Uh, if you are willing to do the work and, and, and hold yourself to a high standard and, and try to be prolific, like you will, you will eventually break through because that is what actually really matters. Yeah. Love it. The only thing I'd add to that too, is one thing we talk about all the time is that point of view, honing your point of view. And there is a risk that when you do go through some programs, you're being trained the same way as everyone else, which is great. You yeah. start off with those basics, yep. those principles, but with every industry, uh, you know, what do you bring to the table? How do you mm-hmm. own your POV and make it uniquely yours? Um, that's what's really critical about that next step after portfolio school. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's what I know, like, like some like more, like, I know some agencies that I've talked to, some recruiters. And now they're they're focusing a lot on that POV aspect. They're can they notice uh, a conformity? I don't know if that's the right word. I guess similarities between portfolio school books. Um, and now they're really just kind of craving some uh, individuality in these portfolios. So you guys are hitting it on the head here. I don't know how to do that. I never created a portfolio. Uh, what do you do? Like, is you put like uh, like your do you make your own logo or something like? Yeah. I don't have a. I don't really have a strong POV on anything nowadays. I no, I mean, go to sleep. There's a, a lot of steps into it, but make yourself a brand first and foremost. Mm-hmm. You are a brand, so that includes your logo, how your point of view on the work, uh, mm-hmm. and how you approach things creative, creatively. Yep. Uh, but yeah, when you think about nitty gritty, there's a ton of templates now that can be really customized pretty easily. Yeah, uh, I think what we look for in portfolios, apart from an interesting point of view, is showing 
a big idea or a conceptual idea that can get translated into a range of executions. Yeah. So whether that's a 360 campaign, uh, but a good mix of social, static, above the line, out of home, et cetera, uh, showing how you can creatively think across different touch points um, uh, really is something that stands out and is actually table stakes for uh, a portfolio these days. True. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would, I would say too is like, um, whether it's portfolio school, whether it's reading Hey Whipple, whether it's, you know, talking to a bunch of people in advertising, really think about those resources as teaching you how to sell your unique point of view. It's yep. giving you the language to say, you know what, this is how I view the world. This is my creative perspective on the world, but I'm giving it to you in a language that you can understand because advertising is a bureaucracy and a system yep. and you need to be able to speak the language, but yep. don't get that confused with making that language your point of view. Because once you make that language your point of view, you've lost you know, your value as a creative, um, truly bringing that creative thinking. Love it. A lot of good ideas here, a lot of great advice. Uh, has anybody ever said you guys should probably write a book at some point? <laughs> in fact, no, Gino. No one has ever said that to us. And yet, and yet. <laughs> what did we did do? It. We did it anyway. We did it anyway. Heck to yeah. back it's up, nice. though, this year, this entire year, we've been teaching at Miami Ad School. We started in January. I can't believe it's been a full year of teaching. Three different quarters. Um, but was they that, asked. hard? You know, it, um, it is one of. Sounds the, demanding. It is one of the hardest things I think we've ever done, or I've ever done. I won't speak for Dave. Uh, why would you ever want to do that? <laughs> that sounds awful. You know, it, it's really rewarding. It's really challenging in the best way. It's good for us as creative directors to yeah. be able yeah. to yeah. mentor and bring this type of work and thinking out of people who are really just entering the industry. And that really takes... A certain level of skill because you have to break down all these years of knowledge into a very easy uh formulaic approach for people who have no idea really how this yep. stuff works and so over the past year um you know we really started to realize as we taught each semester that we detailed our process out in a way that we had never done before we always know yep. knew how to work together and we knew our steps but it wasn't until we started teaching them really breaking it down week by week, how to approach uh, the classes, ideas first, how to come up with ideas. And um, you don't often find a process for conceptual work. And so over the semesters, we distilled our thinking into a 10 week class. Yep. And I think after two semesters, we were like, this is really helpful for these students, but also this could be great for other kids as well, um, or people entering the workforce. So we're like, should we write a book? And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, we, cause we were trying to figure out how do you have ideas and, and how do we have ideas and even just like reverse engineering how we have ideas really led us to, um, four distinct methods, maybe no five distinct methods, excuse me, for generating ideas. And, and we really sort of pressure tested it and kind of were like, all right, you know, we started, we looked at all these great campaigns of, of the past. We looked at, you know, anything that we'd ever done. And we we're like, okay, I think that we have determined that there are actually only five ways 
to get to these ideas. And like every idea can be sorted into one of these ways. And as we started pressure testing out with students, teaching them in different ways, that kind of taught us like what yeah. was the different ways to approach this. And so really like the book um, is a, it's, it's two part, well, it's three parts. It's one, a primer on how advertising works. How does creativity effective? What is marketing even in the first place? And it's written for someone who has never worked in the industry, never taken a marketing yep. class. It is like 101. I could use that. <laughs> we'll send you a free copy, Gino. You know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, the second part is methods where we have like these, these distinct methods that we've created and they're all kind of built around lists of questions that we think spark new thinking. And then we take that, we use each method and we create um, a campaign with them. So we, we worked this fantastic illustrator in Chile, Maria Contreras, and she, uh, we, throughout the whole book, we are making campaigns for water because we're like, how can we sell a thing that doesn't feel like it can be sold because it's so generic? So every method has its own campaign for water. Oh, nice. and, and then Maria drew the ads for them, print ads for them. Um, and then the last section is all principles. It's the things that we have found to be true um, no, all throughout our entire career. And it has just, we keep coming back to these, I think they're 13 or 12 principles that have just never this. been not true. Um, and we call it Handbook for Hacks. I know you can't see this. I can see this. Looks Handbook good. for Hacks, which is really important to us because we have felt like hacks for most of our career. And we decided that it was actually the best thing about us is that we were able to think differently. Uh, we're able to work out the problems. We were able to never go into a room with any level of arrogance because we are just fucking hacks. But owning it and being like, you know what? Everyone's a hack. And once you realize yeah. that everyone's a hack, just figuring it out, it is so empowering. And like it frees you to truly be creative. And like that's the message we want people to understand uh, or take away from the book. Like it is everyone's a hack and it's actually a good thing. And nice. like, don't worry about it. Like, it's it's fine. It I is. love it. It's such a crucial mentality because that imposter syndrome, especially in your early days in your career, can be so, yeah. it can be so crippling. And especially if you didn't have that formal training, when you're in brainstorms, I remember being afraid to speak up or afraid to uh, offer my point of view. And, you know, having a book like this kind of to give me that confidence to understand that, you know, everyone's making the shit up as they go. Even the best are all bullshit artists, you know, oh, yeah. the name of the game. Um, obviously you learn and you get better over time, but uh, no one's got it figured out. And that would have been so reassuring to hear. And it's just a nice tone because I feel like as we talked about breaking in with portfolio school, it can be daunting. Yeah. And um, I don't know, we just want to provide an, an antidote to all of that, really. I'm sold. When can we get a copy? Okay. March. Something like March, 2023. March 2023. Yeah. March 2023. But if you go to handbookforhacks.com, you can sign up for our mailing list, get alerts as we start to roll out um, sneak peeks. Um, but yeah, handbookforhacks.com. Yeah. I'd also say shout out to Formal Settings who designed the book. Mm, now, yes. one thing about us, um, we designed the first book. And then it wasn't good enough in our standards. So we brought in formal settings from Berlin hey, and they took it to the that. next level. Um, and I think that's something we're really proud of too, is that if something doesn't reach that bar, that's not good enough. We will call each other out. We will yep. say, we just know instinctively this isn't the best we can do. And so yeah, um, always trying to best yourself, I think is one of our principles, but it will always apply to everything we do. Uh, 
Love it. Any other advice, anything else you guys want to get out to the world of aspiring advertisers? Uh, can they reach out to you guys on LinkedIn? What's the yeah. preferred method? Or do you have a portfolio site that they can email at? Or what are, you, what are you guys thinking? Honestly, that in itself, reaching out to people, people are more receptive to helping people break mm -hmm. in than you realize. Um, oh, yeah. Reach out to as many people as possible. And by all means, reach out to us on LinkedIn. Nice. Uh, Andrew at major.agency or Dave at major.agency. Uh, we are always down to meet uh, new up and coming creatives. Yes. Yeah. We want to be, yeah, we want to be a resource. Like we, we love helping people the way we were helped and like anything we can do to demystify, give you an introduction, you know, look at your work. We always say like to everyone, feedback's free. We love, you know, we love to there be helpful as much as possible. Um, and then I think like the one thing that I feel like if you're trying to break into this industry that you 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 really just got to know is there is no secret sauce. No one is hiding from you the secret to great work. It is yeah. just working at it and not giving up until you've made something you're truly proud of. And if you hold yourself to that standard, you will get there and people will notice. Um, Love it. No secret sauce. No secret sauce. I would have bought it all. <laughs> we could have bottled it. Yep. Love it. <laughs> all right, Andrew and Dave, amazing job. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We'll have people reach out to you. I'll send people your way. Um, I think we covered a lot of great things. Thank you again. Yes. Thank you, thank you Gino. Time. All right. You guys rock. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod. That's all one word, breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer, and Buchan Jung, our creative director. Can't do it without you two. And a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz. They're a PR agency, and it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest. Thank you for tuning in to Breaking and Entering. We want to be transparent with our valued listeners, so we'd like to disclose that this episode was made possible through a paid collaboration. The funds from this collaboration were used to produce this episode and contribute to the growth and enhancement of our show. At Breaking and Entering, we are committed to delivering high-quality content that informs, entertains, and engages our audience. We carefully select our partners to ensure that any sponsored or paid content aligns with the values and interests of our listeners. Rest assured that while this episode is a result of a paid collaboration, our opinions and creative control over the content remain independent and, of course, authentic. We prioritize providing valuable insights and experiences to our audience regardless of any paid partnerships. And we greatly appreciate the support of our sponsors and partners as they play a vital role in helping us bring content to your ears. If you have any questions about our partnerships or this disclosure, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at Gino, G-E-N-O, at breakenterpod.com. Thank you.